Please uh, find your seat, and as you find your seat, take a look in your bulletin, and you'll see our scripture sheet for today. And uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure I've ever had a sermon with so much scripture, but we're kind of into the Bible, so that's okay, right? Uh, you're like, all right, I've got, uh, it's a lot of Bible, and then I'm going to say about 17 words mixed in there in between the, the reading of the Bible verses this morning. So that's what we're going to be doing uh, in our time in the Word Today, uh, we are actually beginning a mini-series. We're going to cover the book of Proverbs in five easy lessons between now and Labor Day. Uh, Proverbs is 31 chapters long. The majority of it is written and edited by Solomon, although some of the later chapters written by different authors. The book speaks, as you probably know, to the most practical concerns of life, issues about food and sex and money and relationships and family life. It does so with a collection of short sayings that express certain values. For most of the book, it goes from one thought to the next without a whole lot of flow and pattern. So I think the best way to study the teaching of the book of Proverbs is to approach it thematically. Uh, To study it thematically, and that's just what we're going to do. So we're going to look at those five major themes from Proverbs, taking one per week for the next few weeks. When you think of Proverbs, maybe one word stands out. One word. Bible scholars classify Proverbs as part of the section of the Bible, the books around it. It's called the wisdom literature. And it is a book full of the wisdom of God. From the very beginning, this is clear. So we read, starting at verse 1, the Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to discern the sayings of understanding, to receive instruction in wise behavior, righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the naive, to the youth, knowledge, and discretion. And not only does this book offer us wisdom, but one of the major themes of the book is wisdom. In fact, that's the first topic addressed, as we have seen in the first few verses of Proverbs 1. So, too, it will be the first theme from Proverbs that we look at together. We're going to see in our study of Proverbs today the value of wisdom, the meaning of wisdom, the acquiring of wisdom. So, first then, ponder with me the value of wisdom. And, oh my, is this book ever loaded with praise for wisdom. In fact, the entire eighth chapter of Proverbs, it's all about extolling this value, this particular quality. In that eighth chapter, we see wisdom is presented to us and and personified, speaking to us. And wisdom, by the way, uh, wisdom is presented as a female, um, and she says this of herself, verse 10. Take my instruction, and not silver, and knowledge rather than choicest gold. For wisdom is better than jewels, and all desirable things cannot compare with her. Now, this is poetry, to be sure, and you expect flowery language in poetry, maybe even some hyperbole in poetry, but don't forget, this is not meant just to stir up lofty feelings in you. It is meant to teach. There is truth here, and what it says about the value of wisdom, we are to take very seriously. The book is expressing the values of our God, and again, wisdom speaks, chapter 8, verse 18, riches and honor are with me, enduring Wealth and righteousness, my fruit is better than gold, even pure gold, and my yield better than choicest silver. <clears throat> now, when somebody uses this kind of exalted language, you, 
need to say, hey, come on here. What, really now, what is so great about wisdom? Sure, it's a good thing, but so great that nothing compares to wisdom. <laughs> well, Proverbs does tell us why wisdom is so great. Verses 32, my children listen to me for all who follow my ways are, you listening, you paying attention? All who follow my ways are, very good. Listen to my instruction and be wise. Don't ignore it. Joyful are those who listen to me watching for my daily at my gate. So this is a guy who is concerned about wisdom and what it gives and wants you to be joyful and rich. He's acting like a man in love, watching and waiting for wisdom. And why is wisdom so wonderful? Well, verse 35 says, For whoever finds me finds life and receives favor from the Lord. So there you have it. Wisdom gives you, we saw joy. Wisdom gives you life. It does not, of course, mean biological life, but a quality of existence, an abundant life, if you will. There's more. Proverbs tells us more about what wisdom can do for us. Let's see that. Chapter 1 tells us that it can keep you from calamity. It does so by describing the fate of the man who refuses wisdom. And again, here wisdom is personified and is speaking to the foolish person. Verse 27, when your dread comes like a storm and your calamity comes like a whirlwind, when distress and anguish come upon you, then they will call on me, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but they will not find me because they hated knowledge, did not choose the fear of the Lord. They would not accept my counsel. They spurned all my reproof, so they shall eat of the fruit of their own way and be satiated with their own devices, for the waywardness of the naive will kill them, and the complacency of fools will destroy them. But, and here, here he contrasts the foolish person with the wise, verse 33, but he who listens to me shall live securely and will be at ease from the dread of evil. So wisdom is valuable because it increases our security. You don't suffer so much the results of folly and sin. The same thing is carried through in chapter 2, verse 2 there. Tune your ears to wisdom and concentrate on understanding. Cry out for insight. Ask for understanding. Search for them as you would for silver. Seek them like hidden treasures. He says, my son, go after Wisdom. And go after it with all your might. Verse 5. Then you will understand what it means to fear the Lord, and you will gain the knowledge of God. Verse 9. Then you will understand what is right, just, and fair. You will find the right way to go, for wisdom will enter your heart. Knowledge will fill you with joy. Wise choices will watch over you. Understanding will keep you safe. Wisdom will save you from evil people. So wisdom is so precious because it keeps us from sin. Now the New Testament says this about sin. The wages of sin is death. Yeah. Proverbs 8 says, he who finds wisdom finds life. And that is so because wisdom keeps you back from sin, directs your feet into the path of righteousness. And so again, we read in chapter 3, verse 13, 
How blessed is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding, for her profit is better than the profit of silver, her gain better than fine gold. She is more precious than jewels. Nothing you desire compares with her. Long life is in her right hand, and her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are pleasant ways, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her, and happy are all who hold her fast. Is that enough? You might think this is overkill, but I see in Proverbs that God is trying to make an important point. What is it that you are after in life? Huh? What are you after in life? What are you really giving yourself to obtain? Is it money? Is it prestige? Is it pleasure? Is it comforts? Oh, oh sure, we, I, I understand we give lip service to wisdom, but how many people are really striving to obtain it. I was talking with a young man this week about his spiritual life, and during the course of our conversation, he told me that he traveled a great deal in his work, uh, spent a good bit of time, therefore, in airports and on airplanes, and I asked him uh, what he did when he was in an airport and on the planes, what he did with his time, and he said, well, I, I usually just sit there or maybe play a game on my phone. Now, this may seem like a trivial thing to you, uh, but to me, this, his answer was symptomatic of a significant problem. When I sit on planes and airports and doctor's offices, oftentimes I look at people and I see that, you know, that they're staring at the wall or reading People magazine or playing games on their phones or whatever it, it may be. And it really blows my mind with all the many things that there are to learn in this life, with all the, the great books to read, with the very Word of God at our disposal. Here are people with hours sometimes on their hands and are they seeking wisdom as silver? Are they searching for her as for gold and jewels? Not at all. Do you believe Proverbs when it says that wisdom is more precious than jewels? So, are you a pursuer of wisdom? Oh, but the Word of God tells us wisdom is where it's at. Wisdom is what you want. Wisdom is what you want to acquire. It's what you want your children to acquire. What do you want to give your kids? You younger parents may be thinking, oh, we love a good swing set in the backyard. Love our kids to have a fun childhood, right? A good education. Don't, don't confuse that. Don't confuse any of that with giving them wisdom. We have a country full of, of educated fools. See a lot of college students here today, many over here, some going to South Carolina and Alabama and Grove City for college in the next few weeks. Uh, that's great. That's great. But we have a lot of educated fools in our society, don't we? <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, many parents seem to be satisfied with preparing their kids to make a living, make a buck, while they neglect this training and wisdom. The kids, they, they don't see mom and dad seeking after wisdom. They don't get encouragement in that themselves, and the conclusion they reach, it really must not matter that much. What a contrast there is between what many of our kids get, what Solomon got as a child under his dad. Look at Proverbs 4, verse 3. When I was a son to my father, tender and the only son in the sight of my mother, then he taught me and said to me, let your heart hold fast my words, keep my commandments, and live. Acquire wisdom. Acquire understanding. 
In my Bible, there are exclamation, ah, on the screen too, exclamation marks there. (laughs) It's as if David grabbed the shoulders of his son, looked him square in the eye, as, as if to say, my son, don't miss this. You set yourself diligently about this task, gaining wisdom. Now, he could have emphasized the secrets of military readiness for his son, the future king. He could have uh, taught him the first principle as uh, principles of politics. He could have taught him about the smartest way to run the national economy, but instead he directed his son to pursue wisdom. And Solomon saw in his father a man who called the law of God his delight and meditated on it day and night. And I have to ask us this. Do we treasure wisdom like this? David goes on to speak to Solomon's quoting what his father said. Verse 6, do not forsake her. She will guard you. Love her. She will watch over you. The beginning of wisdom is acquire wisdom. And with all you're acquiring, get understanding. Prize her and she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. She will place your, on your head a garland of grace. She will present you with a crown of beauty. So here's a dad who wanted the best for his son. He seeks to give him a taste, a longing for wisdom. And he says something that we very much need to hear. In the New International Version, verse 7 of chapter 4 says, the beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom. Though it costs all you have, get understanding. The New American Standard, which I normally use, says, with all you're acquiring, get understanding. You want to make a good living? Sure. You want a nice family? Sure. You want a good husband, a good wife. You want to have a healthy body. You want a good car. You want a nice house. You want a nice wardrobe. You are out to get all of these things. And this verse tells you that in all of your getting, make sure you get wisdom. It is primary. It is supreme. So make it job number one on your list. Make it a conscious endeavor. Everybody would say, I'm sure, if I asked around, I said, do you want wisdom? Everybody's going to want wisdom, right? Kind of like asking, do you want to make A's? Everybody wants to make A's. The reaction, next thing they say is, but not that much. (laughs) Everybody wants wisdom in theory. But if you ask somebody, so give me uh, three or four things you're doing to grow in wisdom. At that point, a lot of people are going to, Draw a blank. You be different. Make it a conscious pursuit. Make plans for growing wise. So when somebody asks you, what is your plan for growing wise, Phil Van Sickle? You've got a couple of things ready <laughs> to, to, to tell them about your, your plan. Scripture tells us wisdom is, is worth it. All right, let's move now to look at the meaning of wisdom. Uh, it may help us to clarify exactly what wisdom is, or at least to determine what the book of Proverbs means by the term. The word wisdom is used synonymously in the book of Proverbs with a whole host of parallel terms that are translated in your various Bibles as understanding, discretion, prudence, knowledge. Uh, you can see it in chapter 4 and in, in verse 5, uh, acquire wisdom, acquire understanding. That's the parallel word. Chapter 5, verse 1. Do we have that? Uh, My son, give attention to my wisdom. Incline your ear to my understanding. Observe discretion. Your lips may reserve knowledge. Chapter 8, verse 12. 
<coughs> I wisdom dwell with prudence, I find knowledge and discretion. So this is the, the family of words associated with wisdom that tell us a great deal about what it is. There is definitely a cognitive dimension to wisdom. It's an accurate perception of the world, but it goes beyond that. We see repeatedly in this book that the wise man is distinguished from the foolish man, not simply by his creed, but by his or her behavior. Being wise not only determines your, your statement of faith, it shapes your lifestyle. As we've seen already, wisdom is so valuable a quality because one thing it does, it keeps you from sin. So the man who knows what to do and how to do it, but does not get it done. Is that the wise man? No, not the wise man, biblically speaking. The person who knows how to do and what to do, but doesn't do, he's the foolish man or woman. Examples of such people are all around you, aren't they? Knowing right does not ensure doing right. You find uh, plenty of physicians, for example, who know better than anyone all the negative effects on your health of certain behaviors, and yet so many of the physicians are still indulging in those negative behaviors. Wisdom involves a mental insight and perception, yes, but it is more than that. So the definition holds that wisdom is an applied understanding of the world in life. It's an applied understanding of the world in life, knowing how to live and actually living that way. It means letting the truth which you understand about the world control your words and your thoughts and your emotions. You cannot do right until you understand what is right, and to see the world and to see your life biblically means that you see everything that's going on around us from the viewpoint of God, the viewpoint that he gives us in his word. So that has to be step one in wisdom. You develop God's outlook on the world around you. You understand the value of different things. You understand the place of different things. You understand the purpose of different things. And you know most of all that there is a creator who has made all of it, who upholds all of it, and in whom all things find their ultimate purpose. That's why Proverbs 9 and verse 10 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. People wonder what that fear is. What is the fear of the Lord? The fear of God is essentially the desire to please Him. I think also to avoid His displeasure. The desire to please Him. And the last part of this verse helps clarify it. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Knowledge of God is the first rung on the ladder of wisdom. And without that, your understanding of reality is terribly deficient. Wisdom. It's an applied understanding of world and life, knowing how to live, actually living that way. But this point, uh, by this point in my sermon, then you are, you are supposed to be so convinced about the value of wisdom and now so in touch with its meaning that you are ready to yell out, how can I obtain wisdom? But I know you're reluctant. So just mumble it under your breath. How can I obtain this? <laughs> How can I obtain this? All right. There are some specific things that you can do to grow wise. Wisdom, of course, it's not an absolute thing that you either have or don't have. Wisdom, it comes in measure. Even the wisest among us can still grow wiser. And I guess the same 
way, you can grow into an old fool. But you, you can still move on the wisdom scale because nobody's absolutely there. And, and you're here this morning, so probably not at the complete bottom end either uh, of, of the spectrum. But there are specific things you can do to grow. How, how you can do that is our focus now. Wisdom is available for the man or woman, the boy or girl, who wants wisdom, okay? You don't have to go to a mountain in the Himalayas to get it. You don't have to take some secret study course that will give you access to the wisdom of the masters. My mother married a guy. Her, her uh, second husband was a, uh, a member of a cult called the Rosicrucians. Ever heard of that? The Rosicrucians. At, he, he had a, it, it was a, it was a, pay-for-play cult. So he had a trunk of books in, in our house uh, that was under lock and key. None of us, my, my mom and I weren't allowed to read it because we were not initiated. And when he died, we had to uh, turn it back over to the organization. Now, we still weren't allowed to, I don't know what would have happened to us if we'd broken into it and read the secret mysteries. But uh, this, this trunk was full of these books of the, of the mysteries. And he, he would talk about these uh, divine masters who lived between earth and heaven and revealed their insights to the people who paid the subscription price to be a Rosicrucian. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but dear people, wisdom from God is offered to you by God free of charge. Free of charge. This is one of the emphases of Proverbs. Look with me at chapter 1, verse 20. Wisdom shouts in the street. She lifts up her voice in the square, verse 23. Turn to my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit on you. I will make, known my, I will make my words known to you. Wisdom is not trying to hide. She is shouting for you to come and get her, chapter 2, verse 1. My son, if you'll receive my words, treasure my commands. Make your ear attentive to wisdom. Incline your heart to understanding. If you cry for discernment, lift your voice for understanding. If you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasures, there's more. Then you will discern the fear of the Lord. Discover the knowledge of God. The Lord gives wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. Here's the promise. It's interesting that it even says God stores up wisdom for the upright. I once heard a speaker say that most people have plenty of common sense, and he knows that because they're not using theirs. So they must have plenty stored up. But here God says he stores up wisdom for some because most folks don't care to use their share. So there's more to go around for those of us who want it. In chapter 8, again, we find wisdom calling out to us, come and drink in her goodness. I love those who love me. Those who diligently seek me will what? <laughs> will find me. Okay, how about some Bible verses to read? Let's go to Proverbs 9. The wisdom has built her house. She has hewn out her seven pillars. She's prepared her food. She's mixed her wine. She's also set her table. She sent her maiden. She calls from the tops of the heights of the city. Whoever is naive, let him turn in here. To him who lacks understanding, she says, come eat of my food and drink of the wine I've mixed. Forsake your folly and live and proceed in the way of understanding. Some people would make you think again that wisdom is playing hide and seek with men and women and only the, real, real, only the really clever really clever, only ones they can ever obtain. But here God presents wisdom as laying out a feast for whomever would come and take it. So here's the point. Yes, even you 
can become wise. Even you. T turn to your brother and sister, your neighbor, and say, even you. Even you. <laughs> even you. Hard to believe. Some of your parents want to say it again to your kids, don't you? Go ahead. Tell them again. <laughs> now, the things that make for wisdom, some of, you, some of those things you have control over. Some, some you don't. One of the things that tends to increase wisdom is age and experience. The tough thing about age and experience is not that you can't get it, but you can hardly avoid it. <laughs> right? Uh, you know, when I became a pastor at age 24, the pulpit committee that called me to our Florida church uh, was very concerned that I was 24 years old, and they, uh, they inquired with my spiritual father about that, and his response to them was, he'll get over that. <laughs> He's so young, he'll get over that. And he was right. <laughs> Absol age is something you cannot avoid, and, and you can't speed up, but you can, however, fail to learn from it. And many have done that. Remember as a kid seeing a Peanuts comic strip. You know, Peanuts strip, Charlie Brown was a pitcher and his baseball team was always losing. And, uh, and he was one comic strip, he was lamenting yet another loss on the baseball diamond. And, and Lucy, in a rare moment, trying to bring solace to him, said, Don't worry about it, Charlie Brown. We learn more when we lose. <laughs> his response was, I must be the smartest kid on earth. <laughs> But some people never learn, or they learn very, very slowly. Thankfully, however, there are some things that you can do to gain wisdom that are up to you and can be done at any age. <clears throat> so our list for today includes three things. Number one, read and meditate on God's Word. How radical is that? Read and meditate on God's Word. And I start here because you expected me to and, and because it strikes me as the most obvious thing that we can say about finding wisdom. If you believe that we have in the Scriptures a book that is inspired by God Himself, then you cannot sincerely claim to, sincerely claim to be a seeker of wisdom unless you are also a student of what God has said to us. No, the Bible will not in itself answer all the questions that you're going to have in life. It does not give specific guidance about what you should buy and sell and what you should say and do in every specific situation you find yourself in. But if you have hope of having wisdom in your life, any hope at all for having wisdom in those specific decisions, you will need the more general wisdom that is to be gained from learning the truth which God has revealed in the Scriptures. So this book of God is a treasure chest of wisdom. And I said that wisdom really consists of having a biblical world and life view, and the only way to obtain that is to drink in the Word of God until your very blood is biblene, and the power of this Word to give man and woman stability, direction, and insight, it's incredible. Psalm 119 is a great celebration of the influence of God's Word. Read this together out loud with me. Oh, how I love thy law. It is my meditation all the day. And the psalmist's commitment to the Scriptures made him wise. He goes on to mention three groups that he surpasses in wisdom because he meditates on the law of God day and night. Next verse. Your commandments make me wiser than my enemies. That's group one, for they are ever mine. Two, I have more insight than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the 
age it because don't don't quote that to your parents. But I, uh, I understand more than the ages because I have observed your precepts. So you can outstrip your your enemies, your teachers, the aged, if you apply yourself to the Word of God. It's possible to be without a diploma yet wiser than a PhD if you love the Word. It's possible to be wise though young if you drink in the wisdom of God. And you'll notice he says in verse 100 there that he understands more than the aged simply because he knows God's law, or not simply because he knows God's law, but because he does what. I have observed your precepts. Wisdom is found not in a mere study of the Scriptures, but in an application of it to your life. You must read it with an eye towards doing it. Wisdom looks with a willing heart upon all that God would say both to learn and to do. Now, one of the great ways to start taking in the wisdom of Scripture would be to read the book of Proverbs. How about I challenge you to do that over the next month? We've got a month we're going to be in this book together. And, you know, there's 30, 31 chapters of Proverbs. How many days in the month? Ah, we read one a month, okay, or one a day uh, for, for a month, and, and you'll, you'll cover it. I've known Christians who have made that commitment for their entire life. Read one chapter of Proverbs every day. Read the entire book once a month throughout their lives. <clears throat> Memorize portions. Beth and I, several years back, we went through Proverbs, and we picked, we picked from each chapter one verse to, uh, to commit to memory, And that exercise is still bearing fruit in my life as those verses come back to me and they guide my thinking and behavior in so many areas of life. So take advantage of the source of wisdom God has placed in your lap. Grow wise by reading and meditating on God's Word. And now a short commercial for the A to Z challenge. (laughs) So we give you these 26 memory verses based upon the alphabet for the summer. Work through those with your family Another way to get this truth into your heart. All right, secondly, grow wise by listening to God's people. Chapter 1, verse 5. A wise man will hear and increase in learning, and a man of understanding will acquire what? Wise counsel. So the adjective is important there. There's a wealth of knowledge and insight to be derived from other people if you are humble enough and willing enough to listen. God has placed wisdom of all sorts around you in the people in your church, in the books that are available for your reading. He's placed wisdom around you in your own family. Might even be some unbelievers that have a certain degree of wisdom in your family for for you to share. But the first people God sends you to for wisdom, oh, that would be your parents, wouldn't it? So you kids, listen up here. Chapter 1, verse 8. My child, listen when your father corrects you. Don't neglect your mother's instruction. What you learn from them will crown you with grace and be a chain of honor around your neck. And in chapter 6, verse 20. My son, observe the commandments of your father. Do not forsake the teaching of your mother. Bind them continually on your heart. Tie them around your neck. When you walk about, they will guide you. When you sleep, they will watch over you. When you're awake, they will talk to you. Believe it or not, young people, your parents have a better understanding of life than you do. It's going to pick on John Holt since his dad's here, but I don't see John. You see him making coffee, <laughs> to referring to his, uh, there you are, John, your dad. He knows better than you. Talk to him. 
yeah. Uh, you grow wise. You grow wise by listening to your parents. And, and you adults need to be listening to others as well. Find out what others have learned about being a parent. Find out about how to use your money, about what books you ought to read, about what the Scriptures teach. The writing of books is endless. That's in Ecclesiastes, you know. Uh, I know I'm going to die with a list of books that I'm hoping to get to. (laughs) Reading is a way to tap into the wisdom of the ages. Gaining the insight of people with certain specialties, to learn from the experience of others. Blessed are those who learn from their mistakes. Even more blessed are those who learn from the mistakes of others. Reading and listening to others lets you do that. And may I note here that the wise man acquires wise counsel. There are so many wise and godly people to listen to. If you have a tough moral question, who do you ask? Do you go to your neighbor or do you go to an elder in your church? Who are you turning to in those moments of critical decision-making. God says to listen to the wise. Don't feed your mind the nonsense of this world. Chapter 15, verse 14, a wise person is, what? What's the next word? Hungry for knowledge while the fool feeds on trash. (laughs) And is there plenty of trash out there to feed on? Oh, my goodness. Psalm 1, verse 1, how blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, but in the counsel of God's people there is wisdom. Seek it out. So you may gain wisdom by reading God's word, by listening to God's people. Thirdly, by asking for God's help. This is what we call prayer. Proverbs 2, 3 says you'll acquire wisdom. If you cry for discernment, lift your voice for understanding. There's also that well-known word in James 5 where it says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives generously and without reproach. It will be given to him. The Lord invites you to ask. I was halfway through uh, my preparations for this message, and I was really struggling when finally it hit me to pray (laughs) for ideas and insight from God about how to present this truth to you today, how God answered, you can judge. But, But I saw how easy it is to forget to simply ask. He says, ask, and he'll give wisdom. Now, there are other conditions, but in this case, I believe there's only one other condition. You must ask sincerely. That is, you must really want to do the right thing, no matter what that is. You cannot ask for wisdom about how to spend your money until you're prepared to give it all away, if that's what God directs you to do. You can't ask for wisdom in relationships unless you are humble enough to put other people first. I'm convinced that many times people say they want wisdom, and what they really mean is that they don't want to do anything stupid that would cause them problems in life, Give me wisdom, Lord. Keep me from doing something that'll inconvenience me, (laughs) cause me trouble. Do you want wisdom, really? Even if it means sacrifice, which it often does. If you want wisdom, again, it's there for you to take. God offers it to you. So why are there so few people who really are wise? Well, there's a problem with getting wisdom. I'll tell you in just a moment. 1 Corinthians 1.30 says, You are in Christ Jesus who became to us wisdom from God. So that's great. great. Grace offers wisdom in and through Jesus, but receiving that takes humility and effort. Rats 
Say that with me. <laughs> Thomas Edison said, at least I think he said it, it was on the internet. Uh, <laughs> Thomas Edison said, opportunity is missed by most people because it comes wearing, dressed in overhaul, overalls. It comes dressed in overalls and looks like work. Follow that? Opportunity is missed by most people because it comes dressed in overalls and looks like work. You know, Charlemagne, the medieval king, used to put his Bible under his pillow at night when he went to bed, hoping that the wisdom would seep through the pillow into his brain. Lots of folks try those kind of gimmicks in order to get what God promises to the man who reads and meditates on his word, who listens to people, who asks him for help. The acquiring of wisdom, it does take a bit of effort. It is far easier to think ourselves wise than to make ourselves wise, isn't it? <laughs> far easier to think yourself wise than to make yourself wise, but the lesson of Proverbs is that real wisdom, not the imagined stuff, you don't just identify as wise. <laughs> you have to make yourself wise. Proverbs 4, verse 7, we'll wrap up here. Getting wisdom, read it with me. Getting wisdom is the wisest thing you can do. Next verse. I'll read this. If you prize wisdom, she will make you great. Embrace her and she will honor you. She will place a lovely wreath on your head. She will present you with a beautiful crown. In time and maybe even in the glory to come. Let's pray. So, Father, as you have encouraged us to ask, we come asking that you would make us wise, that you would make from this fellowship of believers, young men and women who devote themselves to your word, who listen to their parents, who acquire wise counsel, who not only read the truth but apply it and live it, we pray for adults to be constantly growing in wisdom, that even the retired folks would not put this book on the shelf and forget that there's new places to go in becoming like Christ. We thank you, Lord, for your forgiveness, for our failure to value wisdom as we ought, but we pray that as we leave here today, you would give us specific applications about what we can do to grow in this grace of wisdom. For these mercies we ask in Christ's name. Amen.